When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Hey, parents, it's good to be back with you today with another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright, and I serve kind of as your host, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, who is the guru of all things brain science and kids and and uh, helping us uh, be good parents. And Michael, always, it's so good to have you with us today. Oh, well, good to be with you. I'm not sure I'm the guru, but but I will say, <laughs> At least I will, guru. if I... If I don't know the answer, I will make something up. That's good. Excellent. <laughs> um, we we do want to say a special thanks to our sponsor, uh, Greg Jantz, and the great folks at the Center, a place of hope up there in the uh, Seattle area. And uh, they do a, some great work, a holistic approach to a lot of different things that we as human beings can struggle with. And uh, one of those areas is addictions, and they deal with a lot of different kinds of addictions, uh, certainly from drugs to screen time addictions. And uh, so if you or a loved one ever is in need of some sort of help in those kind of areas and you just can't do it on your own, we encourage you to go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, and there's a link to a place of hope, and at least check them out, and maybe it might be a place for you or one of your family members. Uh, Michael, before we dive into our topic for today, um, I thought it'd be good just at the front end of our podcast to talk a little bit about some of the uh, extra resources that we're providing for people, particularly you are providing for people, through our Wonder of Parenting Patreon community. And so just talk a little bit about that and what that $10 a month does for people. Yes, if uh, folks go to wonderofparenting.com and there's the link over to the the Gurian community, the Patreon community, and you'll get video clips from me every month. I do those the first week of the month. Um, uh, you'll you'll also help this podcast out in terms of uh, funding it. And then there are blogs. Uh, and then I, I believe, Tim, they're still getting Dad Matters. Yes. That's coming to them. Yep. So you'd get a free ebook. Uh, so it's a lot for ten dollars a month. So we hope people will check it out. Yeah, and and again, you know, try it once, and if you find it's not quite what you need, you can uh, unsubscribe pretty easily. And uh, Michael does such great stuff, and the videos are good. And and so, uh, if you've really been enjoying the podcast and you want to go deeper, that's a way to do that. Wonderofparenting.com is our website, and that gives you access to resources. Uh, it gives you access to writing us questions if you've got questions, and uh, also a link to our Facebook page. And we've been having some great conversations on our Facebook page. If you'd like to join us there, so today we're going to pick up on a, a theme that. Um, is is something that all parents wrestle with and that's how do you keep your marriage healthy when you're raising kids and that's no easy task uh kids are a blessing those of us who are parents we love our kids but we also recognize that the dynamic changes dramatically uh when kids enter the page uh jan and i've been married coming up on 40 years and we've raised a couple kids michael you and gail coming up on how many years 
Yeah, we just celebrated 33. And you raised two daughters. Two daughters, yep. So we both uh, have some experience with this, and Michael, Michael, of course, being a therapist, is going to have some great insights for us as well. I remember uh, vividly, of course, as as does any parent, Jan and I, I uh, had this great five-year plan. I was going to finish school, and then we were going to have kids. And uh, three months after we were married, we were pregnant. And so much for our five-year plan. <laughs> and so in some ways, you know, we basically had about um, eight months of being a couple before we had a child. So we didn't have a long time uh, to be married before we had kids. And so our rhythm of life has basically been, as a married couple, we've always been parents, then there are other parents who, you know, they live several years and then they have kids, and that's a very different kind of transition. And so, Michael, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's. Uh, I'm going to have you put your therapy hat on first. Okay. And when you think about uh, sort of the families that you've worked with over the years, what are some of the the uh, the signposts that parents should be looking at in terms of keeping their relationship healthy uh, as kids come into the scene? And what are some of the ways that kids entering a a marriage can be a disruptor okay let me take one at a time the some some strategies that are important i think first of all is going to be patience um uh especially when when she's pregnant um he needs to be practicing patience every couple really has to practice patience they have to make that kind of their sacred duty to be patient because the there's a developmental arc of a marriage and uh, and we're going to include in marriage living together you know for a long period of time that has a that has elicited kids um there's a arc a developmental arc to that marriage and it's in that arc are going to be a number of times when he is somewhat distant or when she is somewhat distant obviously same-sex couple please substitute pronouns so so patience i would say is key and part of uh, that being key is the con- coming into a marriage with the concept that we're not going to let this marriage d- die because of um, lack of emotional fulfillment. And, um, you know, a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, people came into a marriage and they were, they were, it was arranged or they were forced in or, or they fell in love, but generally, you know, falling in love and getting married, that's a very new phenomenon. There was generally socioeconomic and other reasons that they partnered. Um, and they already had this patience built in. And they already had the concept that we're not going to break up because my partner isn't fulfilling me. We're not going to break up for that reason, right? Because basically religions forced it and they forced people to stay together and, and so did society. But as, as we're able to break up marriages and break up relationships, um, as we wish, as we're able to do that, I think, you know, the big meta thought I have for people, and I've written a number of books on this, Lessons of Lifelong Intimacy is the most recent. The meta thought is we got to go into this marriage uh, not expecting constant emotional fulfillment from our partner. Uh, that is not our partner's job. And and the development of the marriage requires us to be patient through those, it could be months, could even be a year or two when we just are feeling like we're not getting emotional fulfilled. And and one of the times is when she becomes pregnant. It's very often a man is not feeling emotionally fulfilled. And men, you know, sometimes will go out and find other people to have sex with, and that breaks up marriages. Similarly, there are times when he, if he's um, out there working 60 hours a week when he's not fulfilling her, 
So the big meta thought is, and we may want to return to this, is emotional fulfillment is good and we have to work hard to have it. But if we go through a number of months without it, don't don't break up the marriage. The second big piece of that would be, okay, let's fight to have it. <laughs> let's fight to have emotional fulfillment since it feels so good to be emotionally fulfilled. And that's going to require strategies like uh, while you're raising kids, a date night every week if you can. When they're little babies, probably not possible. But as they get older, let's have a date night every week. Let's try to have dinner together with the family. Um, let's try to find, you know, make sure to have grandparents involved or others or or, or nannies or um, babysitters, whatever is required so that the couple can continue to have their bond and develop their bond. Um, when sex becomes possible again after the birth of a child, sex is a way that everyone bonds and it's particularly a way that um, males bond for a number of biological reasons we can cover. So um, no one should be forced into sex, but just keep in mind, you know, try to have a solid sex life that can really help with keeping the bond going. Um, uh, try to go out to lunch together once a week if you can. So, so bonding rituals would be the second big thing. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. And and I want to go back to this this thought uh, for a little bit about um, where marriages used to be arranged, or there were certain uh, other things going on in society that would lead to marriage. And we're in a, a, a day and age, which is great, where where marriage is based on attraction, falling in love, uh, emotional support, um, and. Uh, it, it's almost uh, to the point where, you know, if I don't feel something, uh, then maybe something's wrong with the love or the marriage. So so go a little yeah. deeper into right. um, what, you know, really the basis of love isn't just feeling something. There's there's something deeper there. That's the thing. And it, that you can tell that's why I started with the meta thought, the big, the big idea. Um, I think that that someone can read Cosmo or can read really any magazine these days. And someone is writing, here are 10 bonding rituals. You know, I've listed actually a number of them, but here are the bonding rituals. He, keep those emotions and passions alive. And and that's really solid. I mean, that's really important. But if we don't come into marriage with the, that meta thought that, that um, uh, even if, so we're going to go through times when we don't feel fulfilled by this person um, we don't feel emotionally fulfilled, but we're still going to stay married. And what that's going to trigger is not that we're thinking about abandonment or not that we're thinking about, you know, other things, uh, but we're going to just think about, okay, 
How do I keep working so that I feel emotionally fulfilled and I send signals to this person to help out with that and so that we have the give and take of emotional fulfillment? Um, I just really beg us to go into that and um, go into marriage with that. And then gradually we feel, um, you know, two or three months, our partner's not emotionally fulfilling us for, you know, various reasons. Um, we start feeling that in a deep way and and we don't go toward abandonment. We go toward, okay, why am I feeling that? Um, is it enough I'm feeling that to break up the marriage? No, that's not enough. I'm not, there's no abuse here, right? I mean, we're assuming obviously in this marriage, there's no abuse or, or something that would that would require marriage breakup. So, so I'm, I'm not going to break up. I'm going to look at why I feel emotionally unfulfilled. Um, if I need therapy to help me, I will. If we need couples therapy, we'll get that. Um, why is he or she, the other, feeling emotionally unfulfilled? Because if I am, he or she is. And, um, and what do we do to work on it? And that's, that's what we do. And we do that for a year or two, you know, uh, again, assuming no abuse, et cetera. We do that for a year or two. And now then, realistically, I can say from a therapist's point of view, realistically, if this continues and these partners are not feeling emotionally fulfilled into years, you know, uh, toward that two-year mark, then in the present day and age, it's going to be hard to keep that marriage together. But my experience has been that if people get this, understand this early, understand the developmental arc of a marriage, understand what's happening and understand that they both don't feel emotionally fulfilled, that some stuff has risen up from their past, or they're just really, really busy and they're not having bonding rituals or, right, a lot of reasons, and they get into some help, that they can get this dealt with within that first year or year and a half. So we don't hit that two or three year mark, which is which is where my advice is basically not good because people aren't going to take it. They're going to they're gonna break up. Right. And and our next podcast, by the way, we will talk about what happens when marriages fail and uh, or don't last and uh, what that means for raising kids. But one of the, the learnings that I had early on when I was married, uh, a good friend of ours who passed away now a, a few years ago, his name was Gary Smalley, and he used mm, to do a lot mm-hmm. of relational stuff. Yep. And, he, and one of the first, uh, at that time it was films, and then it moved to videos. But one of the first films that he made of his sessions was called Love is a Decision. And he talked about this dance between uh, the emotion of love and the commitment of love. And that there are times when you need to do the loving thing, uh, act like a loving person, do the things that your spouse uh, needs, uh, do the kinds of things that are kind to your spouse, even if you don't necessarily always feel that way. Because there are those ebbs and flows that marriage isn't just about feeling. It is about a commitment that you made. And uh, I remember years ago, uh, you know, the vows were always uh, for good or for ill as long as we both shall live was always at the end of the the marriage vow, uh, as long as we both shall live. And then I saw a show once where it was as long as we both shall love. And I thought, that's a very interesting take on what love is and on what relationship is. And uh, it's sort of the confusion that that love is simply that feeling. So to kind of get us back to to the kids then, um, 
it's pr- it's pretty easy to lose that love and feeling, uh, you know. And I, I I've heard this many times from young moms when I've got spit up and baby poop all over me, and you know my husband walks in and he's ready to have sex after a long day, and and mom is tired and worn out, or mom or dad are are both exhausted from not getting sleep. And so that's where you've really got to kick in with um, recognizing it's not just emotions. It's about really partnering together and being committed to each other. Yeah, and I would say that kids are are probably in the aggregate of marriages the largest stressor on a marriage. I mean, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of research out there. Some people argue money is the biggest stressor. Others argue not having sex is the biggest stressor. Obviously, uh, abuse is a big stressor. Um, uh, adultery is a big stressor. There are a number of things that are stressors. But in terms of of what would be what would be a stressor for every single marriage, uh, once you have kids, the kids become a stressor, and they do get in the quote unquote get in the way of of uh, emotional fulfillment, partner to partner, and it's part of what people grieve when they have kids. Even though luckily they have all this brain chemistry, you know, that's that floods them, mommy and daddy brains. Um, flood them once they have kids so that they're getting all sorts of other bonding and their re their brains are rethinking bonding with their partner uh uh through the sort of conduit of the child so all of that is really good but but their brains also are saying i'm not getting my spouse as much i'm not having as much sex we're fighting more and that's a big stressor that creates bickering at least between couples and even fighting around the kids um we're fighting around money more. We're fighting around sex more. All of those things, you know, started mainly to happen after kids came. So we got to be honest and say, absolutely, kids are the the big stressor because every other stressor, to some extent, comes in underneath the umbrella of having these kids. And uh, knowing that, we got to make a new pact. Like love is a decision. That's really great. We got to make a new pact once we have kids. Okay. <laughs> We know this is going to be really stressful, so we're going to have to be patient. We're going to need to kind of lay out how we're going to do things to keep our bonds alive, develop these bonding rituals. Um, We also have to divide up domains now so that we don't fight. Uh, And this is a core concept for keeping marriages strong uh, while having children is um, uh, divide up into domains and the things that he's good at. I'm going to assume a heterosexual couple, please change pronouns. Uh, the things he's good at, those are his domain. She's not getting involved in those things. He's doing those things. The things she's she's good at, her domain. He's not going to try to control those things. She controls those things. Uh, that's another strategy that's very valuable for people once they have kids and they divide up these domains and it helps them to pull back on the, the stress because a lot of these domains are going to be around how kids are parented, how he parents, how she parents, uh, certainly housework that's a, a domain um uh and and then you know work work outside the home work inside the home if we can divide that up that can really really help and those strategies we go into those consciously understanding that having kids is is perhaps the greatest blessing we'll have ever have in our lives i would say for me i think it is but at the same time um it can be detrimental to the bonds so in listening to you, it, it, I, I hear a few challenges that, that couples can face, not all of them, but can face when kids enter uh, the, the marriage, which, of course, the overwhelming majority of us love our kids. We're excited to have them. But it does change the, the, the time dynamic 
that uh, uh, spouses can spend with each other. Uh, it can change the financial situation of the family. Um, and it can um, sort of cause an ebb and flow in uh, feelings and uh, emotions toward each other. And then you, you touched on one. Uh, the, the sometimes the challenge that families have or couples have in how they're going to raise their kids and making sure that they are agreed upon how they're going to raise their kids together. Because sometimes those differences in parenting styles, which we've talked about before, are important, male, uh, particularly for uh, families with a, a father and a, a mother. Their parenting strategies are different, but they got to be on the same page in terms of what their goals are and um, always having each other's back and so on and so forth. And that can cause conflict if that's not real clear. Yeah, absolutely. The I think domains work well here. I think if if there are certain areas where she's you know really good at A, B, and C and parenting, uh, you know instinctively and intuitively the couple understands that even if they haven't verbalized it and and he needs to back away on those things. Let her do her magic. Similarly, there are certain ways that he parents that are really really valuable. Um, even if she finds them a little strange you know, let that, let him do it that way, because ultimately the child's going to benefit from both styles of parenting and all the various styles of parenting. And then uh, what they need to have consistent are values. And, and we have mentioned this before that in the pop culture, I think the concept has been uh, promulgated that, that parents have to be on the same page on everything, that they have to parent consistently together the same way. And I think it's, that's, it's more nuanced. It's, um, that's not exactly correct. They actually can parent differently, and that's fine, but they ought to be consistent in their values. Yes. And that really is key. And so then the parenting, um, the co-parenting is values-driven, and uh, the individual parenting is strategic. It's different parenting styles. So an example, to give a practical example of how this becomes really interesting, is religion. Like, you're a pastor, mm-hmm. and you're Christian, I'm Jewish, and my uh, you know, religion, as you know very well, as we all know, uh, religion or spiritual life, this is so valuable for raising kids. It helps cement values in that are good values, uh, it helps build character, it provides community. Um, an extended family community by which to raise kids. That's one of the best things about a church or synagogue or, or mosque community, any community, uh, gives the community by which to raise kids and provide good values. Well, let's say, like, for instance, this happened with me. I'm, I'm raised many religions, but more Jewish than anything. And then my wife's raised Congregationalist. So when we got together and we were having kids, so what, you know, what do we do? Like, we wanted them and they wanted, our kids were spiritual beings, they wanted um, some religion. And, and so, you know, we made various decisions and what we ended up, uh, deciding was who had the most passion around their religion and, um, and who, and did the other person actually find that religion fascinating too? And what ended up happening is initially we were kind of thinking about raising our kids more Christian through my wife, Gail, but then she started developing a lot of passion around Judaism and so it ended up she converted to Judaism and our kids started out more in a Christian and Unitarian context and then they moved toward more of a Jewish context. Um, the the lesson there was who had more passion for it. Whoever whichever of this couple has more passion. So if it's Catholic and a lot of passion or or you know Lutheran, a lot of passion for it, and the other parent 
raised different religion, but not a lot of passion, then let's go with the parent who has the passion and we'll, you know, our kids will go in that system. And, um, and that's just another example of how the compromise comes following the assets or the gifts that one of these parents brings. Uh, and in this case, it's that religious, religious passion. So we don't have to be absolutely consistent uh, in, in those realms, because the one who doesn't have passion for Catholicism, let's say, um, probably won't go to mass, but, but still is allowing that values development to happen through the parent and the religion that gives passion. So that's an example of the fact that in values, in the terms of the values we're putting inside our kids, that's where I think we have to be really consistent. And you said goals. I, 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 think, I think that's in the same realm, more nuanced, but in the same realm. Um, but our parenting styles definitely do not have to be the same. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Jan and I uh, raised two kids, and we got some really good advice Right when we were starting our marriage, and I was starting out as a pastor, and uh, the senior pastor that I was working for, uh, first thing he said to me was, uh, make sure that you always take your day off and that you and Jan have at least one date a week. And we had small kids at the time. My daughter was uh, two or three, and my son had just been born. And he said, so make sure at least once a week you get out on a date. And then make sure that, that you take your family vacations, so do things with your kids, and make sure that you and Jan get, uh, you know, even if it's just a weekend, once a year, get a couple's retreat away and just be each other. And, and those two um, insights really were kind of the bedrock for us of uh, making sure that we kept our relationship alive. We were fortunate that uh, there was a young uh, teenage girl in our congregation who loved our kids, and she volunteered, refused to receive any pay. And every Monday night, she would uh, watch our kids, and Jan and I would go to a movie, and we'd, uh, you know, have dinner together or lunch together, whatever it might be. And, uh, of course, when the grandparents moved down here, we had access to grandparents to watch. And then Jan and I would take, um, we would take family vacations with our kids, certainly, but we would also try to find some time just to do uh, a Tim and Jan vacation together, uh, just to reconnect. And it didn't even mean that we necessarily spent hours and hours talking to each other, uh, but, but just being together, being side by side and, and uh, changing our environment a little bit. 
And we also uh, were one of those couples that went in and we said divorce isn't an option and it's not on the table. And we know, and as we'll talk about next week, sometimes that does happen. Uh, but we, uh, you know, worked hard and faith was a part of our relationship. And every night we would uh, make sure we checked in before we went to bed. And so those are all kind of some of the things that you're talking about. Um, what are those, um, those rituals? Uh, what are those habits that we practice as couples uh, to, keep our, to keep some focus on us as a couple as well as uh, on our children? Uh, what were some of the things that maybe you and Gail did to, mm. to navigate through life? Yeah, uh, those all are great. They're just wonderful bonding rituals. They're I, I would put them in the category of necessary for a good marriage. You know, yep. not optional, but necessary. Um, uh, uh, we also, so we did always check in. We would check in after work day uh, if we could, depending on the ages of our kids and time that we had. And then um, before bed, yeah, we would chat. You know, we would chat. We didn't watch TV so we, partly for our bonding, we didn't have TV in the bedroom. What we wanted to do was, we watched TV in the family room, but then when we we're going to bed, we wanted to, you know, be chatting. We wanted to do that kind of bonding as opposed to both looking at a TV. Um, and then we would kind of drift into some reading, you know, and then go to sleep. Uh, but we wanted that as a, as a bonding ritual. And, um, and we, were, we were conscious, you know, both of us therapists, we were very conscious of when, I'm, when we're not feeling emotionally fulfilled, of bringing that up mm. as part of the check-in, not in a whining or complaining way, because you know our partner is really, really busy. <laughs> so we're raising kids together. So this is not about whining or complaining, uh, but but let it build some. You know, let it build week or two or three, and then feel it, really feel it, and then bring it up. And so not impulsively, but kind of build it, and then bring it up and say, "Boy, I, you know, I'm feeling like we've drifted from our rituals. I miss you." Um, and, and then part and parcel of that, and this is for every human being, part and parcel of that is why, what has that triggered in me and what, you know, what do I or we need help with so that we can come back to each other, come back to center. And sometimes it's just, we got to get our bonding rituals back and we just got to be patient because right now, you know, the kids are so demanding. Uh, uh, but sometimes it's because other issues of abandonment or rejection or our feelings are hurt or, you know, other issues have come up. And so what we tried to do, Gail and I, we weren't perfect, but we tried to not ever go to bed angry. So we, right. for, for instance, we would not bring up this kind of deep stuff, uh, you know, after eight at night. Um, we would wait for that for morning when we were both better, um, uh, had had some coffee. <laughs> and, and we, and if we were feeling something, you know, we would not try to pick a fight you know, before bed or something. We, we just didn't want to go to bed angry. Uh, and, and we would watch this in each other. Both of us have tempers, you know, they're not terrible, but we definitely have tempers. And we would watch in each other. Are we, are we now trying to relate to each other through conflict? Because one thing that does happen to couples when they are not getting enough of the bonding rituals and, and um, the date nights and the, you know, the, the good bonding, they, they still bond, but they try to bond through conflict. So they create conflicts with each other that which raises their passion level up, their anger level up, and they create these conflicts and they don't realize, oh, part of why I'm creating this conflict is I want the bonding, but I'm doing it in a way that could mitigate the marriage, could harm the marriage. So that's why, that's another reason we tried not ever to go to bed angry. A couple other little things as we wrap up uh, that were helpful for us was, um, 
and this will seem a little counterintuitive, but I think it's the same thing. Uh, not only did Jan and I work on our, our bonding rituals, but we also made sure that we provided space for each of us to kind of do something just to, to be ourselves. So for me, yeah. uh, it was my morning runs. And uh, and I don't mean diarrhea. I mean going out jogging. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, right. Uh, you know, so getting out for uh, my exercise in the morning. And, uh, and Jan knew that was really important for me. And, uh, and, and, you know, gave me opportunity to do that, that, and, and then there were things that Jan liked to do, whether it was artwork or, or needlework, or for a while that was exercise for her as well. And, and, and that provided our own sort of, uh, I'll say spiritual space because it was our alone time. And then, um, and this is the one I think that gets away from couples and it's such a simple thing to do, but touching each other throughout the day. And, mm. you know, how quickly we forget to just give each other a big hug or to kiss each other goodnight or kiss each other before we leave for wherever we're going for the day. You know, we do a lot of touching with our kids when they're little and hugs, but it's sometimes it's easy just to forget those simple little gestures of uh, a hug, a kiss, a pat on the back, um, you know, even a... Uh, a little innuendo that the kids don't understand, a little flirting uh, yeah, once yeah. in a while. All those things that just keep a relationship healthy, that that even if you don't have kids, uh, those are such important things uh, for us to be thinking about. And so uh, to summarize, I think, uh, Michael, some of the things I've been hearing you say is it's important for us to have those sort of bonding rituals. It's important for us to understand the nature of love, the ebbs and flows of love that... Uh, it's not always feeling based. There is something about commitment. There's something about acting as loving people toward each other, being uh, decisive in our relationship, and uh, and having parenting strategies that may be different but common values around those. And uh, I think about uh, my kids, uh, you know, coming to me and hey, mom said we could do such and such. Well, I thought I just told you you couldn't, and then they, you know, and how they play parents off each other, and that's where values become so important. Yeah. Yeah. If the kids are doing that, then we, we, we certainly nip that in the bud because we don't want to, because that just creates such stress between the couple. Right. So we want to, that is an area where we want to check in with each other. Like if we did this, certainly when our daughters, we had one daughter in particular who was really great at, at triangulating and, and we would, Gil and I would check in. Okay. What did you say to her? You know, and just to make sure we were on the same page. That's, that's very valuable. And I, I just, I love what you're saying about touch. Some of the bonding rituals need to be touch. And, you know, when sex is possible, they kind of need to be sex if, if there are no health reasons for not. Um, but also the little back rubs and the kiss, kissing mm -hmm. Gail and I tried very hard when we saw each other at the end of the workday to say hi and a kiss yep. and, you know, a hug kind of embrace at night. And I love what you said about the different, I think it's coming back into vogue that couples are understanding that he needs to have his, his stuff and she needs yep. to have her stuff and that we don't have to be enmeshed with each other. Um, our bonding does not require that he gives everything up for her and he, she gives everything up for him. Uh, I had a men's group. I've been in the same men's group for 29 years. Wow. Gail has a sisterhood and, um, some of those people come and go, but, um, those women come and go, but the three or four of them are core that she's had for decades. So those are really, really important. I'm glad you brought that up. And of course, the best way to build a thriving marriage while raising kids 
is to listen to the Wonder of Parenting podcast each and every week. And there you so go. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed, please go to our website, wonderofparenting.com, and you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and uh, there are ways that you can send us questions for upcoming episodes. Uh, there is a link to our good friends, A Place of Hope, up there in the Seattle area, uh, who do great work with all kinds of different issues that we as human beings experience. You can check them out. And, of course, Patreon as well, where for $10 a month, you get some extra resources from Michael uh, that can help you as you parent your kids and uh, as you build thriving marriages as well. So next week, we'll we'll kind of do a, a sequel to this, and we're going to talk about the impact of divorce because we know that divorce happens and uh, how do we navigate our way with our kids through a relationship that doesn't always work out. Uh, until then, Michael, thank you very, very much for your insights today. Oh, thank you, Tim. Thanks, everyone. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week for the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.